it's as if this is the first time we've ever done it. It's weird, isn't it? It's it's uh, obviously um, it's been a couple of months, but also I had to set everything up in the new place for the first time and figuring out, obviously a lot of things are the same, you know, plug things into things, but just it feeling different. And obviously the acoustics in this room are going to be different because it's a bigger room and higher ceilings. I don't think it'll be that bad in terms of being on mic, but just background sounds, I guess I might be picking up a little bit more of. So I'll have to be careful there. And just it, obviously that in itself, just feeling different. Hmm. I was a little bit late because I had to faff around with the wireless settings in the house because the guys next door have just moved in and they're students and they've just moved in and because they're they're nice so far and the the broadband isn't getting set up yet I set it up so that um so that they could get on because they asked nicely but then I thought I don't want them using the wireless while I'm doing this and I thought, should I go next door and ask them not to go on the wireless? And I thought, well, you know, they seem nice, but they're still students, so they can't be trusted. Mm-hmm. So I've just uh, I've just broken the wireless for them, and hopefully they won't really notice or care until until we've finished, and I can set it back up again. Mm-hmm. Ethically speaking, have I done the right thing? You could just go. Oh, I had a problem. I'll just go talk, talk, Ata. Not talk, not talk. More like. And they'll they'll nod politely because uh, I'm old and I keep forgetting I'm old when I'm talking to students who live next door to us. And uh, anything they tolerate, any conversation from me, they are tolerating rather than actually enjoying or taking. <laughs> yeah. Part. God, I'm so I'm so much older than them. <laughs> it's actually horrifying. At what point did you did that really smack you about the face and you realised? Oh no, hang on a minute. I'm not even a short distance away from these people. I've really felt it with the people who live on either side of us. Actually, I, I felt it with the nice tenants who lived on the left-hand side last time who were all um, medical students. They were all, like, training to be doctors and stuff because they were always quite nice and civilised and just quite grown up. And the people on the other side when they look at you kind of blankly and can barely manage a conversation, you know, they're all right, but they're just being friendly and stuff. You figure, well, it's okay. They're just blokes. I never really could make conversation with people like that. Particularly. I've never been good at that, Mm -hmm. but it's when you, you're talking to people who seem quite grown up and chilled out and they seem genuinely engaged, but then you realize that there are certain things you can talk about them with, but there are other things where I am literally, it's not like with Amy and maybe you to a certain extent where, we don't have necessarily the same children's programs and stuff. That's kind of manageable, but at least with Amy, she had children's TV programs. It wouldn't have all been like YouTube videos she was watching. <laughs> no. If you did watch something on television, it would have been one of the four main channels, as opposed yeah. to uh, a generation who probably would have had cable or satellite and so they wouldn't have watched that's the thing now isn't it i mean even if there was like five or ten years difference if both us and our partners were sort of going through a childhood in the late 70s to early 90s they're still like experiences which are similar and then you hit like the mid 90s to late 90s and then people are getting cable tv and satellite and so you've got a generation of people who've probably been watching cartoon network or nickelodeon or something like that and with three or four or five channels, and that being all you had access to, there was a greater possibility of crossover. 
I've just realised, um, and I'm sorry about this, but listening to you talking about this, I've realised that you still really have your, oh my God, I'm old moment, properly old moment to come, because you're talking about, you know, they might have been brought up on Nickelodeon and stuff. You're not even talking about CBeebies. No. <laughs> Let alone video on demand or whatever. From here on in, you're going to have families probably eschewing a lot of broadcast TV altogether. Mm. Netflix, love film, uh, DVD collection, uh, burning animals, I, whatever comes in the future as entertainment, I suppose. We are in a post-singularity world. Cat in a bin. Cat in a bin, mm. yeah, exactly. Or something viral like that, something that got shared via email. See, uh, the thing I have to bear in mind is I would think about, on first glance, having sex with and then have to um, dismiss the notion uh, with people who were born post-Nickelodeon's heyday, <laughs> after the point when MTV stopped really playing music. Pe- people who were born after the, uh, after not the first series of The Real World, or the second series of The Real World, but the point of The Real World where no one was really watching it anymore. We went and visited my sister and her husband and their kids just after Christmas. While we were up there, I went and visited the town centre there to go and see an old friend of mine and have some dinner and stuff. So I was wandering around Peterborough City Centre by myself. Yeah. And I think I've talked to you about this a little bit before, but, but because this time my parents were also in Peterborough and we went, went and visited them in another area that we actually lived in when I was much younger that I remember quite clearly called Orton, I started getting this really uncomfortable sense of familiarity that was kind of well, this place feels safe. And then, well, no, actually, this place doesn't feel safe at all. This is, these are all very horrible feelings. I know better now. It was weird kind of feeling really, really comfortable and really unsettled at the same time around there. We drove right past where our house used to be. So we drove right past the um, the adventure playground. When I was a kid, and I must have been really young, because it would have been when Warship Down was just at the cinema, there used to be this adventure playground across the, across the road from us. You had to get to this place via underpass, but it was very close to my house. And it was, on reflection, quite a dangerous place, because there was a death slide there, and kids were playing with tools, and I remember one kid ended up standing on a piece of wood with nails through it and got nails in his foot and had to be rushed to hospital. So that's one thing that I remember. So it probably wasn't that safe, but it was a place where all of the parents sent their kids and it was kind of fun. And one of the grown-ups who was there, um, there was obviously some sort of trip to the cinema being arranged, but I didn't know anything about it. But he asked whose parents had given the okay and who'd paid to go and see Warship Down. And I was like, no, that sounds like fun. So I just kind of, I think, I don't know if I actually said, yeah, me, if I actually lied, or if I just kind of stood with the kids who were going there. And I ended up going and seeing Warship Down when I was probably a bit too young, (laughs) really, to watch Warship Down, and um, being absolutely terrified. And when I came back, I had been missing for two hours. Nobody, like, my parents had expected me home or had come looking for me and didn't know, so they would, like, uh, in retrospect, they probably didn't actually call the police, but they told me they did, and they were worried sick and all this stuff. So I was absolutely traumatised by this film. (laughs) And then it turned out I'd completely terrified my family and stuff. And all of that kind of came washing back, and it's weird because it feels to me like quite a formative story. I can call it to mind really, really easily, but I don't think I'd actually told Amy until we drove past this place. All right. 
you know, it's not a tra- traumatic. I wasn't, nobody touched me as far as I can tell. Well, except the rabbits. The rabbits touched me. So with the songs by Mike Batt. Is that what his name was? It's, uh, who was he? Was he in a band? Mike Batt wrote the song, but uh, it was Art Garfunkel who oh, right, sung it for the film. Although mm. there is a version available with Mike Bat singing it as well. Mike Bat also well known for the theme to the Wombles. Oh. And probably other stuff as well. But, Which is yeah. presumably where you're interested in him. That's how you know so much about him because of the whole <laughs> Wombles thing. That's right. I know so much about him, those two <laughs> facts. But yeah, so it was it was this really strange thing where I felt this instant familiarity in a place. I haven't even been there in over 30 years and it was kind of a little bit weird thinking about that um, because it makes you realise that it's been over 30 years. You can have been a functioning human being and still recall things that actually happened over 30 years ago. Do you want to... Should, should we just do the show? Um, yeah, in a minute. Just trying to think of how, like, we segue into it, really, because the way that we were talking about it doesn't lend itself to the start of a show, really. So No, It's almost like not. we've got a kind of kickstart it into into place so mm. yes there might be something beforehand about watership down or being old or children's television <laughs> and then there'll be the <laughs> thing uh, which which is our theme music <laughs> and then there'll be this <laughs> uncomfortable moment <laughs> Unanswered. Um, anyway, yes. So we've had a month off. Uh, we didn't want to. We didn't intend to. But it ended up being that way. What was supposed to happen, listener? Hello. Was in December we were meant to record an episode of Unanswered, which would be released at the beginning of January. But there were a lot of crazy and wacky things happening in December. Obviously, there's a Christmas break and stuff that uh, that gets in the way. Also, there was a home move happening for myself and life partner Jane. What that meant was it wouldn't be really possible to record an episode as we usually do and then me spend the rest of the month kind of putting Wednesday evenings in and editing it because my time would be taken up by the thing. So Nick and I had discussed... Um, the possibility of kind of recording live to tape at the studios at your place of work where you uh, record your other podcasts. Yes. We had two, didn't we? I think the first one Mm. you weren't well. Yeah. And then the second one was pretty much in the week that Jane and I were set to move and then everything hit the fan with the letting agents and stuff that we thought had all been taken care of, ended up unravelling in that last week to the point where we weren't sure whether we were going to have anywhere to live over Christmas. Um, And it was very stressful. And uh, understandably, the time that we had initially scheduled for that second attempt at, at recording at the studio would have really needed to be spent on dealing with this crisis. And so we couldn't record, and then Christmas got in the way and we couldn't record, and then we're at the beginning of January, and it's like, well, we can't do two (laughs) episodes and try and release them within this month. So uh, we skipped it. That is the really interesting and long-winded story behind why there isn't a thing at the beginning of January. Sorry, guys. 
I reckon you can cut it together with some zazzy music and 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 make it really clip along, though. Yeah, I think so. so and maybe okay. at the beginning, like previously on Unanswered or, <laughs> or something like that, would be quite useful. Uh, but the long and the short of it is, it wasn't going to be easy to deliver um, an episode of uh, a quality that I was going to be happy with. Anyway, this leads to a point because there's kind of a thought that came to me over the last couple of weeks as I was thinking kind of about getting back on the, the, the train for, for unanswered and I'm in a new place and things are being unpacked and we're trying to find little spots where all our possessions are going to go. And it struck me how, first of all, how like ridiculous moving home is and why it ever seems like a good idea <laughs> because there's always so much work and so much stress and so much hassle and everything about being at home that you love and cherish sort of just gets taken away from you for a while and shaken about and then it's up to you after the move to kind of put everything back together and try and have it feel somewhat like it did before even though you're in a different place and it just made me think about the amount of times that I've moved. It's made me think about who I've lived with, with family, with friends, with partners. How there have been all of these moves, these changes in location, flats and houses, first floor, ground floor, all sorts of wacky stuff, places that were too small, frankly, others that were too large. And how each of them became a home and is considered mm -hmm. as my home or our home. And how things that can be so different and with people who are so different, how they ultimately end up with the same name and we kind of afford the same emotional attachment to them. I guess what I'm trying to say is, <laughs> what is home? What does it mean to us? And isn't it a bit crazy that we subject ourselves to changing our environment so much and, and then working so hard to make it feel like that one thing? Hmm. I think the first thing I can think of to that, though, is I think you might be being a little bit hard on ourselves when you say we subject ourselves to it, because I'm trying to think about the last time I moved by choice. There's nearly always some external factor mm. that pushes you to it, especially when you're renting. I think, actually, the interesting thing for me about this conversation is we are talking about, not you and I, uh, uh, Amy and I are actually talking about trying to work out whether we can move in this year mm. or in the next couple of years. And that's kind of a unique thing for me because I think it's the first time, I'm trying to think, but I'm pretty sure it's the first time I will have moved and it not have been because of external forces that were pushing me to it. And that's quite interesting and quite stressful in its own way because because of all the things you're kind of con you're kind of talking about. I I've generally been pretty easygoing about where I live, and that's been informed by the fact that my parents moved us quite a lot when I was younger. And although there there might have been a, a plan and signs that it was going to happen, certainly at the time it always seemed a little bit out of the blue and a little bit arbitrary. I didn't really get why it was happening most of the time. Um, I've been led to believe in recent years that it was a, a, an, a, mostly an economic decision, but it was always delivered as we're moving because we've decided we're going to and you're the kids. So, so you do what you're told. And so I have really clear memories of some of the houses from my childhood, which I think you do yeah. as a kid anyway, because time is elastic and weird and, and your room means a lot more to you then because it's your one bit of space in the world. And But since moving out of home... 
I'm thinking about it, and I've been quite ambivalent about most of the places I live. As long as my stuff's there, that's what I need to be comfortable with. My stuff's very important to me. So for years I've, I've felt like wherever my stuff is, mainly my comics um, are, it has been home. Sometimes I've attached it to a woman. I think mm-hmm. I've lived with three partners. Not at the same time? Not at the same time. No. No, and I've tried to talk Amy into it, but but no. Um, obviously only one of them was a real partner because that's the one I've ended up with, we hope. Um Sounding confident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So people that we, um, people that we, well, I mean, this try, talking about money and moving house and stuff puts a strain on you, Steve. Um, yes, it puts does. Puts a strain on all parties. But yeah, and in the past I've moved because there was a, because I wanted to be with a girl, but normally it's been the girl I've been connected to rather than the stuff. And then I went through a phase of my life where, and this is the most recent one, where literally the place I lived was mainly, partly about a place to keep my stuff, but it was mainly about keeping my dog safe um, because we ended up together on our own at a time. That's, it sounds like I'm talking about a relationship that's different from the one I actually have with her. She wasn't like my animal wife or anything. We might have shared a bed sometimes, but only for warmth and comfort, not for anything else. So for and and so for an extended period of my life, I was finding places to live that would allow me to have a dog, and I couldn't afford to buy a place. So that meant I was going from one rental place to another that were like always very temporary situations. So when we talk about home, I kind of understand it on the one hand, but it's it's a really sort of abstract, ambivalent sort of a thing. I can't. I can remember all of the places I lived as a student but I don't have a very strong bond to the actual physical places themselves. No. You know, the kitchens and the bathrooms and, like, when in the early 90s when I was drinking an awful lot and probably spent a year taking drugs and hanging out with people and having parties and stuff, even then I don't have this romantic idea of the places where, the place where I did all of those things. I might have a slightly romanticised idea of the houses where friends lived, where I had nice parties and stuff like that. But home is a really weird thing. And I'm in a particularly weird place at the moment as well, because there were points when the house I'm in, as we record, I would very much have thought of it as being this lovely place where we live. But we've had about two months of thinking about moving somewhere else. And so now it's the place that has all of the things about it that make it quite difficult to sell that I hate. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, it's, a, it's a place where when you buy it, it's an older house with character. And by the time you leave it, you just want a new build somewhere that has no character, but at least everything in it works. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the decisions we make about where to live are, are entirely practical when we start. And I'd be interested to know what you think about how that cluster of practical considerations sometimes ends up becoming a a bit more. I don't know how close or sentimental you've been about any of the places you've lived. Mm. Well, you're right in in terms of like the family homes. They will always have a certain significance and fondness attached to them, potentially rose-tinted, but... um, that's where you grew up and had your childhood memories and had the least responsibilities and probably felt the safest by and large. Again, you know, qualia, we're all having to go by our own experiences. Yeah, of course. What's really curious in my case is that when I think of where I lived as a kid, there were three places 
the first place I lived in was a either a second or third floor council flat. And I would have been there for the first seven or so months of my life. Mm-hmm. So I've got no memory of it. It exists only in photographs. Yeah. The second place I lived in, I would have been there for about three, maybe four years. And I have pretty vague memories of that house insofar as living there. But when we moved out, my father's mother moved in, my grand moved in. So I was still able to visit that house, even though I didn't live there. So that strengthens my memory. Of course, yeah. When I think of, when I think about that house, I obviously have to create the divide between the memories I had when I actually lived there, which are vague, and the memories I had there when my grandmother was there, which is obviously stronger. And then the third home, I think from about either 83 or I think I'm sure it was 84, we moved in there. And that's where... I basically spent the rest of my childhood. That's where the changes in my family happened. And that's ultimately where I'm trying not to be vague about this because I'm getting to, I'm sort of getting to a point and I can't ruin it. But basically that's where I spent the majority of of my childhood. That's where I grew up, but there Mm -hmm. were significant changes towards the end of my time there that make it quite confused because I'd got through school and I'd hit 16 years old and it was 1995 and that's when my dad died. So that family home now also has the significance of that's where one of the members of your family died and you saw their dead body and they got carried out. Then within the next couple of years, we discovered structural issues with the house um, and we didn't have the resources to fix it ourselves, which ultimately led to the demolition of the house in 1999. Oh, gosh. That's quite dramatic. Very dramatic. And so when I think of, when I think of home, the majority of my memories are in this house that doesn't exist anymore. Mm. And for a while, I could drive back to where the house used to be, and it was just an empty patch of ground. But now, something else has been built in its place. Is it a Tesco's? It's no, 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 no. It's um, it's an it's an inferior building that's been converted into flats. Well, that was actually purpose built to be flats, and I've seen pictures of it online in the past, and I've just gone, oh god, that's so terribly sad. I used to live there, and now it's someone's investment portfolio. You get to feel that a little bit younger than most people, so that's that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So you were probably expecting a simpler answer, but. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the really strange thing is that when I think about the family home, it's always tainted by those details at the end and the fact that it doesn't exist anymore. I'll mm. never get that pleasure of being able to just like walk past or drive past it and go, I live there because it only now exists in photographs and in memory. Yeah, that's complicated. Sorry. But I mean, it's no, no, it's fine. It's, uh, it's, it's complicated because it's, th- there's a specific house that you think about. You're programmed, I think, very differently from me by your life to think in terms of a place that's consistent. You know, it's difficult to square the memories of it being a safe place with the memories of it being a place where horrible things happen and then memories of it being the place that got demolished out from under you. Mm. But at the same time, you stayed in one place for a really long time. Yes. So the way you think about places is naturally going to be quite different than the way I think about places, I guess. I I mean, I wonder, actually, if from a psychological or a biological viewpoint, if it doesn't wire the way you relate to places differently as well. 
because our uh, our last 10 years of uh, living in Southampton yours and mine have probably been roughly similar we've lived in places that aren't a million miles away from the last places place we lived but they're different enough that you have to learn new routes to everywhere yes yeah and things like that and i really i'm probably talking through my hat but it's like your childhood will have trained you to think of a city as a place or a or a, a town or whatever as your environment as a place that branches out from this one central point and that one central point is roughly the same and you learn everything in relation to that and a couple of other specific places like um your school for a chunk of your life or your grand's house or whatever even if those journeys are happening by car you know you're being driven to and from places whereas my experience of growing up is i think possibly the most consistent location in my life until the age of about 18 probably was you know the motorways between peterborough and london and the point where you can branch off to stevenage to go and visit an an uncle who lives there but you hardly ever do and the the journey into london because that's the consistent thing we lived in peterborough or around peterborough for a chunk of my life but we were always far enough away from the other place that it wasn't walking distance to a kid and we moved every three or four years and then when i moved when we moved away, well, Peter, the route to London where we went to visit relatives, because they were the consistent thing. My gran has lived in the same house since before I was born. Mm. And it's the house of my mum and her sisters and maybe not her brothers because they were a bit older. Um, but it's it's the house where they all kind of grew up. And I think when you get to our age or certainly to my age, the older people in your life have become very unreliable if they were ever reliable in terms of memory. I think I was born in Muswell Hill, I was born in a hospital, um, but I think I lived in the my grand's house for the first few years of my life because they had a back room there. This was It's not a massive house, but it had a little bit at the back of the house that if, if one of the younger uh, kids got married, there was enough room for them and their partner to live there and have their own little space, if that makes sense. Yeah. My grand's house as conflicted as my memories of that place are because there were lots of times when I wasn't very happy visiting my extended family. That's the consistent place of my childhood and of my older years. And it's still weird when I go back there now, it all seems so much smaller and and weirder. Um, My relationship with places is really different. And this is why when I go to Peterborough, it's very strange because we lived in, we lived in lots of different places around it at times when I didn't have any of my own, I wasn't mobile at all. I was only old enough that I could only walk, like, at most my parents had let me walk a mile or a couple of miles away from where we were. It's only going back and visiting my sister now that I find out that this town, none of these places were very far... (laughs) They're not very far away from each other in adult terms. They're about, like, five minutes' drive from each other, really, and they all interconnect with the town. But that's how I relate to places, to cities and to streets and stuff like that, as networks that kind of link together but not going out from a central place. And I haven't really got that one central... I can't really think of places as that one central place where you lived, which was your home. Even now, thinking about where I am now, my route to work from here, this feels like home because it's where my wife and my child and my dogs are. But if I think about how I relate to it... And the routes I take to places when I leave here, when I if I walk up to your place or I, I walk into town or I walk to work, if I think about it, I learned all of those routes when I lived in another house, which is just around the corner from this one, before I lived in the previous house, which was around another... It's I relate to places very differently. 
And I guess I hit on something there, because basically I've come to think of home as being wherever Amy and I are together. And I guess that kind of plays into why eventually she's the person I eventually decided to get married to and stuff like that. Yes. Which sounds really sentimental, and God knows it's difficult sometimes. (laughs) But I kind of come to feel anchored by her and the dogs and now uh, the baby, but he's a very new addition in a way that I just never really have been to a place. And what I tend to remember about places is how the hell did I get my comics into that place? <laughs> where, did, where, did they, where did they go? I'm sitting on a bed right now that I've had about 10, no, 15 years, which actually is kind of crazy and does tie into what we're talking about. It's not the same mattress. That would be creepy. And But the actual frame of the bed has more resonance to me than most of the places I've lived in. This is this is where it gets really dangerous, though, because then when we start, whenever we have a conversation about me getting rid of things like the bed or some of my comics or stuff like that, well, I relate my place in the world more to those things than is necessarily healthy. Yeah, I mean, we'd certainly agree that our last 10 years or so, we've moved from rental to rental for reasons. Yeah. Usually involving the change of personnel. But you've certainly had um, a more transitory life than I have. I mean, obviously, I'm kind of used to what moving feels like now, but I had a significant period of time growing up where that was never a factor. So I was more bedded in one place to the point where it probably felt odd for me to have to relocate, whereas for you, it might have felt more odd not to. I mean, definitely. There was actually a period when it was just me and um, Anya, the Dalmatian, when over the course of about four years, we probably moved every six months on average, which is That's hard just going. crazy. And it was, it was always, it was never because of the dog or anything. It was always the people who rent to you when you have a dog are the nice people who used to live in that house mm. who think, I don't really want to get rid of the house. I might as well hang on to it and let some nice people live in it. But they're also the people who, the second it gets a bit boring being a landlord, decide they're going to take all that artificially inflated property money <laughs> that, that was going around everywhere back then. So, yeah, we I, I mean, we moved a lot. and And it's taken a bit of getting used to for me because people have helped us move since I've been with Amy, her parents have helped us move a few times and it never quite occurs to me that moving this many boxes of books or comics is quite as weird or as hard a job as it clearly is to other people. Because <laughs> it's just it's just been a part of my life for such a long time doing yeah. that stuff. The fact that you were doing it incredibly frequently mm. for a period of time there as well, I mean, it becomes it becomes normal doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, you don't really think of it as being excessive or abnormal or bizarre or anything like that. This is just your stuff. You live with it. You like having it around. And, you know, surely other people are like that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what you think. And yeah. and as well, where I I was always renting, in some ways your stuff is the only thing. I mean, okay, there are people who rent the same house for years and it ends up feeling like a home, like yes. for yeah. decades or whatever, and it ends up not so much anymore, but certainly when we were growing up, that was kind of the norm for an awful lot of people. In my adult life, renting's always been a really temporary thing. And the things I've got, I know I've touched on it before, but they're the only permanent thing you've got. 
unless you're really lucky and you've got relationships that are permanent. So, yeah, they end up being your security blanket in a way that your house is kind of supposed to be, I think. Mm. The, the one time where I could have called somewhere home, in as much as it's a place where you're reliant on it, it kind of becomes a part of your character or it informs your character or you your character informs it, was after a breakup with the first girl that I lived with, it was this weird time in the housing market where I couldn't actually afford to rent anywhere, but I could afford to get a deposit on a studio flat, which was very odd. Mm. Um, and it was when I was working at Food and Planet, so I definitely I did know you at the time, actually. I think we'd probably met around then. It was this studio flat. The reason it's one of those places that stuck with me is it's the first place I owned, and because of the state of mind I was in at that time and because of the amount of money I didn't have at that time I spent far more time than was healthy in that flat it wasn't very exciting it was one big room and there was more than one time it's probably the only place I've ever lived where I spent enough time there in enough of a state where I've thought I could die here and nobody would know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which hasn't happened in many of the other places I've lived in. <laughs> At the time, there were, there were times then, it was pretty dark times, and there were times then where I probably thought, yeah, this is about right, this is this is what I deserve, this is where I should be. And I had a pet rat for a chunk of the time where I was there that hated me, and the first time I let it out of the cage, it went and hid under this built-in wardrobe. And so for weeks, I'd go to work, but then my relationship with this rat was... I'd leave food out for it. I'd never see it. I knew it lived under the wardrobe. And this all seemed normal. This was just my <laughs> this was just my home life. <laughs> this was where I was living. I think I had this bed there actually. And I had really good times. I mean I've made I had friends there and had relationship and formed relationships there that positively imbue it with that. And they seem uniquely me sort of relationships odd relationships with girls that didn't go anywhere and relationships with girls that went places they shouldn't have gone probably and and situations like that and that's where i spent 24 hours watching well not 24 hours because i had to go to work but spent all night watching this tiny little tv about september 11th because i was scared to go to sleep in case i missed something the the specific september 11th you know the world trade center not not some other september 11th it was the place where all of that stuff happened and it's all very solitary stuff like i said it's it's not healthy but it was definitely a home it was like this cave for ages when i was there i didn't have a tv and i didn't have enough money to go out so i just sit there playing the sims an awful lot and and eating lentils but it was home I'd forgotten all the, you know, I was thinking there isn't anywhere I could have really called that. But yes, there is that place. And it wasn't a healthy sensation for me at the time, but it was definitely where I felt I belonged. That was a very real experience for me living there. Yeah. And it was just me. I think that's the longest, the most I've spent by myself. I guess you felt that when you were living in a flat by yourself, you really don't have anywhere to hide. (laughs) because it's literally just you 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 and all of your mistakes and decisions and everything you've got you you have to just face up to yourself and everything i guess you were sort of able to occupy your time in a way mm. but there wasn't really anything or anyone else who was able to take you out of your own thoughts as it were i i, I certainly had that i quite liked living by myself and um I could have probably done it a little bit longer, to be honest. Hmm. I quite enjoyed being there by myself. I quite like being, I quite like my own company, but you're right. I mean, when you have like darker moments or where you've got a, 
kind of an evening where just there are an awful lot of things spinning around in your head, you can kind of go, okay, well, I guess I could stick on a film or play the Xbox or something like that. But there isn't anybody else there with you to really draw you out of yourself. You know, so um, even if you are doing something to distract, there's still nothing really taking you out of your internal monologue. It would have been a perfect time for social media, but it mm. wasn't really that much of a thing back then. No, so no. the internet was around, but I was just building my own website back then. I think the final year that I was there, I've really ground down on the place and made it sound depressing, but the final year that I was there, if I think about it, was probably the most independent, but in a good way, I've ever been, because I was making friends that weren't just happening by accident because of because of where I worked or who I shared a house with or any of that stuff. And I was kind of starting to go out with people off my own back or be invited to places. And it, it, start, it started getting properly good in that last year, but it, it was an awful lot of time that probably wasn't that healthy. But it's interesting to think about what it was like spending time on your own before, like before we even really most of us had phones that we were happy texting on all the time. When you were cut off, you were really properly cut off, it feels like, looking looking back at it from now. This is something I hadn't really noticed until I started living with someone who had a relatively well-adjusted relationship with her... Well, a very well-adjusted relationship with her parents. I think, if I think about it, Amy only really stopped referring to going home for the weekend or going home for a few days once we had the baby... We've been living with each other for ages and she's definitely, you know, we're very, she's probably more home-oriented than I am. And she was very into the house when we first moved in. Obviously, where she's a teacher, she was spending summers, the summers by herself here, so she gets quite cosy and everything. But whenever she talked about going and visiting her parents, she always talked about going home. And that's really weird because she's never lived in the house that they live in now or the house before it. They've relocated to a completely other part of the country from where they were when she was a teenager in their house. It's never been her home, but she's still that's still the language she uses for going home and seeing for see I'm doing it now yeah. for going and seeing her parents. Well, it's not um, it's not an exclusive or a monogamous term, is it? So far, we're we're talking about the place where we live being you know a bundle of bricks, and we're in the middle of that, and that's our home, but. It's a very fluid sort of a term, isn't it? Because it's not just a building, but it can be a town, it could be a country even, and it can be in more than one place at once. So you've got your hometown that you might think of as home. You might think of where your parents live as home. I suppose for me, the distinction's different. Home is definitely where I live because my family home is gone. My mum remarried. And so if I go and see my mum and my stepdad, I'm off to mum's. I'm not off home. Like in Amy's case, uh, in Jane's case too, when she goes back to see her family, she is going back home. And one of the differences I, I suppose that I have compared to the rest of you is that I've only ever been in Southampton. So I haven't relocated. I mean, I've re obviously relocated within the city limits, but I've never moved from one town or city to another. And I haven't done that. So I don't have that, that's that kind of like my hometown is my home, but also where I live is my home. So I don't have those differentiators either. To me, home has pretty much been always where I've been, whether it's bricks and mortar or whether it's been the city. And I guess I'm kind of used to hearing other people talking about various locations being home. 
I guess it must seem odd to you as well in a way because yes Peterborough is sort of where you spent a lot of time as a kid but you were never entirely rooted to one spot so I don't suppose you think of that as going home in the same way that Amy would when she goes and sees her parents no I mean that's it it's um, my sister didn't really start living I didn't start visiting my sister there properly until she's always lived there but I didn't start visiting her properly until Amy and I were together because for various reasons her situation wasn't stable enough to go and visit either and my parents haven't been there for ages because they've been in Cyprus and it wasn't the place that I came to Southampton from we were living in a town halfway between Peterborough and Lincoln uh, for about four years before I came here and prior to that we'd lived somewhere else for three or four years as well so I'd never been a teenager in Peterborough I don't think, maybe I was 13 in Peterborough, right. actually. So I haven't lived there specifically since I was 13. And so it's it's weird for me because it's kind of a patchwork. It kind of feels familiar in that way that I imagine a hometown does. But it's kind of all of these weird sensations, like I'm kind of picturing it as sort of, instead of a complete picture or a complete environment, it's like a spider's web with bits of locations hanging in it. Um, and so you you go from one place to another and you're like, oh, wait a minute, this is completely familiar, but I didn't know that this was here at all. The thought of going somewhere new and having to learn it all. God, you know, 10 years ago, I'd have never thought I'd feel this way, actually. <laughs> but the, the thought, the idea of going somewhere new... Mm, and having to learn everything. Yeah, is actually a little bit more scary is probably the wrong word or maybe i'm just hesitating from using it because it sounds really wussy but yeah it is a little bit nerve-wracking the one thing i know about southampton is i know where i am and i know the problems with the place and i'm kind of settled here but you know we're gonna have to move (laughs) yeah i mean the the, the familiarity obviously affords an awful lot of comfort you know your place in it you know where you stand even if you relocate just down the road or something yes there are some things that you'll need to relearn most of them within the home that you've moved in some of it probably to do with just the very local lay of the land but ultimately you still know where to go and where everything is and 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 your place within it i i'm still open to it i think there have been times in the past where i've been thinking about what i really want to do with the rest of my life and how dramatic a change i'd really want where i looked at the possibility of completely like just blowing this place off and moving somewhere Mm -hmm. else within the country as actually quite exciting and refreshing but there is still that hermit side of me i guess that really enjoys the comfort of knowing where everything is and that yes it would be exciting to meet new people and have a new job and be in a completely different town and learn everything from scratch and just being able to build everything from the ground up again how many times would you get to do something to that degree in life But at the same time, you're like, well, that's going to be a very long time, really, months, (laughs) where everything feels so uncertain. And while, yes, that does sound very exciting, where is your constant? Where is your source of comfort within all of that? You know, Mm. well, I guess it would just be your stuff, wouldn't it? (laughs) Like, you know, I've moved my comics with me and that's in this place um, that I've paid some money for so i guess that's home and everything else is just sort of joining the dots and everything that you've you've spent so much of your time trying to be embedded in and get used to and be comfortable with kind of stripping that away and starting again it's very unnerving and unsettling and it shouldn't it shouldn't be but it is because ultimately whatever we deem as home is important because it is a constant it's a central point 
it's where we can feel that there is some sanctity we can feel that there is comfort and that the rest of the world can just take a break and we can be private people once again we don't have to mix it up with a whole bunch of uh, other concerns they have a real significance they define you in a way um, not necessarily in who you are but in who you don't have to be at any mm. particular point and so to have that unsettled is to really unsettle probably everything about you you totally hit on it there actually uh, there's a frustration for me in not just for me but there's a frustration in moving house the thing i'm stressing about the most about us finding somewhere to live this time is the idea of going through all of the stress of finding somewhere, selling a place, buying a place, moving somewhere that isn't that far away necessarily, but that is far enough away that I no longer know the lay of the land. So if we move to a suburb of Southampton, like a proper one, not like Inner Avenue where we are now, but one that's actually out of the town, all of my home field advantage that I have knowing exactly how long it takes to get to the city centre. It's always half an hour in Southampton, half an hour on foot from anywhere. And all of all of that stuff, knowing roughly what an asshole that you need to not walk past looks like in the city, <laughs> for example, or, or, or stuff like that. Um, moving just far enough away that I lose that advantage, but close enough that all of the downsides to having this as your main city just stresses me out. And it's like, so we moved to a suburb, there's all the risk that we won't fit in there or I won't fit in there, I won't be comfortable. Noah might grow up not being comfortable and not being able to escape to any of the different facilities or faculties or whatever you've got in the middle of a city, all of the different activities or options or, or whatever. Um, I've got I've got it really stuck in my head that if we move to one of those places that has all of those nicely, neatly laid out, really cheaply put together terraced houses that has a little green everywhere where there are always kids playing football, that if he has the same relationship to football that I have, he's going to be even more isolated than I felt growing up. <laughs> Chances are he's going to be a little athlete and much better adjusted than me and he'll be fine wherever we end up. But I'm really worried about that. And so I'm kind of panicky about moving somewhere too similar to where we are now, like that has the disadvantages of Southampton, but also has the disadvantages of not being familiar. So when you say you've thought about just leaving this place completely, that's the thing that most often when I've talked to Amy about this over the years before Noah was born, that's what I've said. And I've sort of said, we don't have ties to this i mean we don't have family who live here we've got lots of friends but they're gonna move you can't choose where you live based on your friends no no of course not because they move on if they're doing things properly they will move on at some point or they'll move on for work or they'll move on to a suburb somewhere for them for their own reasons or or whatever and so it's it's really appealed to me. Let's go find different jobs somewhere and yada yada. But of course, she really loves where she works, and it's kind of a bit of a dream job. So, which is in Winchester, and we can't move nearer there because it's very expensive. Mm, <laughs> so yeah. moving too far is kind of not an option because that that appeals to me and scares me a bit less for the reasons I think I've just given. The idea that I'd be stuck with all the things I don't like about Southampton, but wouldn't get to wear Southampton and my derision of it like a coat makes me a little bit nervous but as well you and i aren't necessarily disposed particularly well there are certain things we're not disposed particularly well to so we look around at our friends 
obviously I love all of my friends and you know I really like my job and everything but when you think about moving it's normally you think you look at your life at the moment and you think well this is okay but I'd really like it to be better yeah and what I tend to forget when I start thinking that is that just to get this life to this point where I've got the friends I've got and I've got the job I've got such as they are was really hard slog (laughs) of doing things that I'm not naturally well disposed to. I don't meet people particularly easily. (laughs) I'm not great at it. So going to a whole new place and having to do all of that stuff, as you said, it's kind of, it's scary. But in my head, it's scary for kind of the right reasons. It's scary because I'm not that great at that stuff. And I got to the point where I am now that maybe I want to move away from by doing a lot of things that I'd really like to not have to do again. That makes it sound like I'm talking about unpleasantly sex things. But I just mean trial and error of social groups and meeting lots of people that you trust, but then maybe you shouldn't have trusted them. And then out of each social group, there are two or three people that you end up staying in touch with because they're nice. And then you've got the job, but that isn't quite the right job. But there's another job in the same area that you get through that job because of people that you know. And none of that stuff that I'm good at. And so that's kind of why I think Southampton's ended up feeling... I've been in Southampton long enough that through this trial and error, it's become this place that even though I don't call it home very often, it's the nearest thing I've got to it. It's it's a place that I fit in, or at least I've found my place in. Mm. But certainly, hey man, home's just another word for belonging, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, rightly or wrongly, good or bad... It's a place where you feel comfortable and you know you belong. As confident as Amy is in our relationship, her relationship with her parents is such, that's that has been her constant, so that will always be home of a type. Huh. That was exciting. Was there anything else you wanted to cover? No, I don't think so. Me saying that sounds a little bit awkward, but I got the feeling you were you were heading to a point with the last bit that you said, weren't you? I can't remember what I said, that's the problem. <laughs> You were basically talking about... I, I think I literally I just reiterated it. <laughs> the stuff I just said, but took longer over, I think you <laughs> said it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the way it normally happens. We both have a crack at saying exactly the same thing using different <laughs> words. 